Good morning and welcome to Garden Talk on 650 CKOM and 980 CJME. I'm Jay Thomas. Well, there's always somebody here with me. We had Jill last week and we've got Rick back on the phone with us right now. Good morning, Rick. How are you? Good. Good morning, Jay. Right on. Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, Jill is, I think, in Regina, but she's busy with her kids who are in a hockey tournament, right? Yeah, yeah, having lots of fun. Yeah, yeah. Her, son, her son is doing very well there, so they're having lots of fun. Yeah, and they're in the gold medal game, I hear, apparently. So uh, go, Nash, go, I think, and uh, good luck <laughs> yeah. with that. Yeah. Um, so you're joining us from where today? I'm in Kelowna. You're in Kelowna. Yeah, okay. I'm in Kelowna. Yeah, we just had a fresh snow last night, and so everything's nice and white and clean here. Oh, okay. Isn't there green grass underneath that white snow, though? <laughs> yeah, some places. Uh, I'm, I'm up. I'm up on a mountain right now, and and uh, I was at my son's place earlier today. Uh, yes, last night, and uh, visiting my brand new baby granddaughter. Oh, so, congratulations! And and so. Um, and so yeah, so it was down in the valley. It's there's not much snow down there, but uh, but up here in on the mountain here, there's quite a bit of snow. So tell me about some of the places you have been recently, because you've been on the phone or away from the show for a little while here. You've kind of been circling the globe. It sounds like. Well, when we left uh, Saskatoon, it was uh, like minus forty some, and then uh, we drove down to Palm Springs to visit my wife's sister and brother-in-law, and. Uh, and uh, we, so we drove down there, and we went through through uh, Montana and Idaho. And in Idaho, we stopped there, and it was amazing. I almost never got out of Idaho because it was minus 42, which is totally unusual for them. And there was only one gas station in the whole town, a Butte, that had didn't have frozen fuel pumps. So, oh my gosh! <laughs> yeah, there. So we ended up getting out of there, and then uh, once we got to Salt Lake City, it was it was a lot better. It was it was driving way better. And then once you got to um, well, I just love it in Palm Springs. There's so many plants just planted up in the boulevards and everything else there. The bougainvilleas are blooming, and it was just so much. It was so much fun and beautiful there. So, at, uh, uh, yeah, and the, even the roses were blooming at that time. Oh no way! We went and picked some grapefruits every morning, and uh, and juiced some grapefruits every morning. That's just, uh, yeah, it's it's quite something. I'll bet you they they taste even better when they're. You know, grown there than the, than the ones we get in the store here. You know, they're not bad here, but I bet you they're amazing there. Yeah, they're they're. You know how you know how you get that twangy feeling sometimes from grapefruits. Yeah, um, not very often you get that. It depends if you pick one that's, that might be a bit more twangy. Most of them are just more sweet and and uh, it's uh, it's yeah. It's, we juiced them and we had some for breakfast every morning, and it was just uh, when you just pick them off the tree, they're so fresh, it's unbelievable. And uh, yeah, then. Then we um, spent some time around there, did some hikes and and those kind of things, and uh, did some bike rides, and and then we went down to, from there. We went down to Mexico, right on. And, uh, spent two weeks down in Mexico, and uh, and that was a different experience. We went down to the the Merida area, which is about four hours north of Cancun on the on the Gulf of Mexico side. So I've never been there before, and. Uh, it was different. It was colder. It was windy. I think everybody's mad at us because we brought the polar vortex down to Mexico. <laughs> the Canadians will do that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so everybody there was, all the nationals there were dressed up really warm. <laughs> so, and uh, yeah, the ocean was a bit cooler. And uh, and uh, you can probably hear about a lot of that seaweed that's in the ocean right now. Uh, you can hear that on the news every once in a while, but they have this red sorghum type of, of seaweed in and it's really affecting the beaches of the Caribbean right now because uh, you know, there's lots of uh, seaweed on the beaches, like lots. Mm-hmm. And, and it's not just starting, so they're going to be getting a lot more of it. So 
Um, so that's uh, yeah, that was that was quite different. Where you can see a lot of that seaweed and and uh, the beach that we had in front of the house we rented there is uh, was uh, we just had to keep cleaning up our part of a beach just as we could have a part of the beach we could be on because every every morning it was just covered with seaweed. Oh, so, weird, hey, yeah, yeah, it was it was quite something. So, and then uh, yeah, we spent there some some time there, and then we came back to uh, went back to. Um, um, Palm Springs, and uh, spent a few more days visiting family there, and then we drove up to Wenatchee, uh, Washington, and watched my grandson play. He plays for the Wenatchee Wild, part of the WHL, and we stayed there for a few nights and watched a few games, and then drove up and saw our grandbaby. Right on! Wow, lots, lots, lots of fun. We had, we did, we seen, we seen lots of country. We seen lots of beautiful country through. Uh, through Oregon and up through Washington, just some beautiful drive up to there. And uh, so, yeah, it was through the mountains and the orchards, Jay, you wouldn't believe the hundreds of thousands of orchards that are up through Washington and up through part of the Osoyos area and, and uh, seeing all the big, you know, big refrigerated bunkers that hold all the apples. And I've just never seen so many apple trees in just such a small area. So it was just unbelievable. Well, is anything growing there yet? Like, is anything green in, the, no, in, in those no, places? No. no, right? Yeah. No, it's still still winter there. Still winter. I mean, they, they just had, you know, three weeks ago, they had that minus 40 weather there too, right? So right. in some place. Well, it actually, in those places with the apples where it didn't get quite that cold as it did in Montana. But it got cold enough. It probably got into about you know the minus 18s type of thing. So, which is unusual for them as well, right? So. You know, speaking of which, that kind of leads me into what I wanted to talk about. Sort of next was was you know here while you were gone, there's been some weird weather. Right? I mean, you know, it's it's still winter, but uh, we've had uh, some some extreme cold and some extreme extreme warm. And it's also created a whole bunch of ice, you know, around much of the province right now. Uh, we had, you know, kind of a, a bunch of snow, cold, then warm, and then it, it kind of flash froze sort of quickly. So we're looking at, you know, icy sidewalks and streets, but also, you know, there's a lot of ice that melted on lawns and, you know, through flower beds and things like that. Is that going to mean anything different for, no, you know, our, our plants that are out there? Yeah, it's it's fine. The biggest thing is that you find with gra- with grasses, and that is that... If you end up compacting the snow on top of that, then right. you cut off you cut off the oxygen. If it's just laying on top, it's, it'll be fine. But uh, there'll be enough air pockets in in the in the snow that'll be okay. But if you start stomping on that, and then you compress all that, then you can get uh, you can get some problems with that. But you know, it's it's not that bad for for lawns and lawn is pretty tough. It's not like alfalfa. Alfalfa, if you drive a canoe track across it, you can actually kill the, the alfalfa by suffocating it. But um, but gra- uh, our grass and our lawns is, is a little bit tougher, and so it can handle a little bit more of that. Okay. And then the main thing is branches breaking. You know, so you have to be careful. If there's you know layers of ice on the branches, then you can break it. Or if you have cedars, you can watch for that because if they get too much weight on them, they'll start splitting out. You know, they'll start spreading, especially the upright cedars. Yeah. And then then they kind of it takes a little while for them to come back. You need to actually. Use some old nylon or some 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 rope or something like that, and tie the the stems together so that they they kind of stiff it up and stay together again. 
But I know there's been some pretty heavy snow, you know, associated with kind of these these weather changes that we've had, the, the fluctuations we've had. There was some snow in there that was falling, you know, more recently that was really what I'd call wet snow, very probably much more like what they would see on the on the West Coast, you know, that sort of thing. But uh, for us, you know, usually it's very dry and, and light and fluffy. You know, it was it was definitely heavy, wet snow. I think some of the snowblowers are having difficulty. So, uh, yeah. Okay, so watch watch out that for the cedars and some of those branches and things like that. What we're going to do yeah, is we're going to take it. We're going to take a quick break right now. Uh, we've got Paul on the line. Paul, we're going to get to your call as soon as we get back from the break. We've got lots more to talk about, a couple of texts to answer too, but it's a great time to join the conversation. one 332 8255 I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Good morning. Welcome back to Garden Talk. I'm Jay Thomas. Rick Van Dyvendyke is on the phone with me, joining us from Kelowna right now, and Jill is away today, but we'll get all three of us back together here once uh, again here pretty soon. Uh, we got a great uh, couple of texts to get through, some uh, good topics as well, and we're going to go to our calls first, because waiting patiently is, uh, is Paul, who's in Saskatoon. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Good morning, you guys. Uh, good morning. Rick, um, time to get back to work. <laughs> you had a great vacation. It sounds like you can hear it in your voice. You just had a wonderful time. <laughs> Yeah, um, great, great time to recharge. Oh, fantastic. Um, my question here uh, today is, uh, I'm going to start my peppers here right away. Um, but I'm wondering, like for so many years now, I've started my, I run a fixture, uh, uh, four foot long T5s, four bulb light fixture. Yep. And I also, I also use a heating pad on the bottom. Of my of my seed tray. Now, power's getting expensive, you know. And I'm just wondering. My question to you is, and I look at the professionals, and and you're the, you're the professional in my mind. Can do I have to start my my uh, my lights, or can I just leave leave the heating pad down to start it off? Yeah, you don't need the lights until you start getting germination. Oh, so, so when you first have them down, you really don't need, you want to have light when you actually seed, okay, but you're doing that in daylight anyways, so yeah. they actually, that little flash of light when you think about the package and that, that all helps them to, to get set, ready to go, and then once you put them into the soil, you don't need the lights until you start getting, until you start getting germination, uh, because it really doesn't make any any difference whether you've got light or not because they're just they're either on the surface or just underneath the surface. So once they start getting germination, you start seeing those those first new this, those two sets of new leaves, right? That you have those first leaves, yeah. Yep. And then you then you need to start turning the light on. But you know for the for that first, it, what is it, at least at least seven days sometimes. You know you don't need to you don't need to do that. Yeah. Well, one one thing I like to I was listening to the news this morning. And the World Economic Forum said, uh, "Don't home garden because it, it, uh, it's, it's adding to climate change." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> yeah, but but what they've also said was, when you control the food, you control the people. So people grow a have a garden. Exactly. Yeah. They, yeah. They control you know whatever you can, and you know I'm I'm a big one. I when I start my plants, I start way too many. And I give them away. That's good. That's good advice too. Absolutely. And and uh, I wanted to add, Rick. Do we need to then keep bottom heat going? How long does bottom heat have to keep going when we're yeah. when we're seeding? Well, bottom heat goes until you get your basically your 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 most of your like eighty to eighty to ninety percent germination. 
And once you have that, you can take the heat off the bottom, and then now you can start your next seeder tray on it if you wish. Okay, so you don't you don't have to have the power running on that for, for after you have the your eighty ninety percent germination. Then if you have a, a tray lid on it, then you want to take your tray lid off is when you get that to that germination as well. And then uh, so if you have your top, your plastic top on the uh, like a little greenhouse on top. Yeah, once you get that to that germination, take that off as well. And, uh, and you can take it off the heat pad, but you need to put it underneath to make sure that you you, you move it underneath a, a different light or, uh, you know, somewhere where it has bright lights still. Perfect. Well, thanks, Paul, for your call today. I really appreciate the, 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 uh, the advice. And, yeah, you're right. Grow your own food is great. Thanks, guys. All right. Take care. Yep. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Rick, we wanted to ask you. I know you've been away for a little while, but uh, you've still been in touch with uh, with the greenhouse and the garden center. And what's what's new and what's going on at the garden center right now? Well, yeah, they just they planted up the first batch of lilies, and so we like to make sure the lilies for us are are blooming for when people come in the spring in the garden center. So we start the first batch right now, and then we have about four batches we start so that they're they're blooming at different parts of the season. So when people come into the garden center to buy a new a new plant, and they can actually see what the flower looks like. So, uh, so we, um, so we started that already in our first batch, and then uh, also our all of our a lot of our plugs came in for our hanging baskets. So a lot of petunias and and uh, million bells and and all those different uh, plants we put into all the baskets. Uh, they all came in, and then what we do is we. We, we we water them. We keep them watered, and what we start doing with that because one thing with those plugs, you have to be careful you don't overwater them. Okay. And I know Paul was talking about his seeds coming up. I like using when the seeds uh, at home. I just like using uh, to water those seed trays. I like using a mister. Okay, because if you use a watering can, a lot of times you'll dislodge the seeds. So you mm. just use a mister to keep it moist. But we started with once we got uh, growth and all the plugs. We've been in the greenhouse we've been using because you got a plug tray and it's pretty full of plants. Instead of watering over the top, then you get a lot of moisture on the leaves and that. We've been putting them into a, into a, a tray, which on bottom watering, filling the tray up with some water and letting the plants soak up water from the base. And then that way we get a lot less disease and a lot less powdery mildew on the leaves. And the plants, uh, we get a lot better success with the plants in transplanting them when we go to transplant them into the baskets. Which will be in about another two weeks. We'll probably um, we'll probably start transplanting into the basket. So now and then we'll also, as those what will happen is that we'll get them to grow because we're fertilizing them as well in those in those in the water when we want bottom watering. Is that we'll get some growth and we actually do one little pinch as well. Oh, and then that way that way they get a nice little branches out and when they go into the baskets they just branch out and they're much thicker and much much uh, much more bushy. So that uh, we can make those baskets fill out much quicker. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, the other thing I wanted to mention that I know uh, Jill gave me a, a hint of, is that you got mushroom kits in. Is that true? <laughs> you know, mushrooms. Growing your own mushrooms at home has been. Uh, it, it's a growing thing. Sorry, the pun, but it's growing like, it's growing like crazy, and uh, and so you're seeing mushroom kits all over the place. You're seeing mushroom kits in the garden centers, and you even some sometimes see them in the box stores and that. So it's a lot of fun to do. Just grow your own fresh mushrooms at home, and uh, and you can do it. It's so simple. You can just do it on your counter of your of your of your house, and just have some light there, and uh, and the. Um, they do very well, and they start growing very quickly. It doesn't take very long to put one out, and they're so tasty too. So, uh, yeah, try try a mushroom kit, and uh, if you love mushrooms, uh, it's a great way to have some 
some more things growing right on your counter that you can put right into your into your food every day, and it's right at your hands. You know, right right close by. It's fresh. Cool. All right. Let's go to our text line, one 877 See if we can get a couple of these in before the break. Uh, Jeremy and Estevan says, I, I'm asking a question about shelter belts. Uh, Rick, what do you suggest to rejuvenate a 100-year-old shelter belt, and where does one get fruit trees such as a good apple or berry bush for shelter belts? Okay, the the apple trees you can get at, at most garden centers. Uh, you, you depends how big of one you want to start. Um, most of them have either one-year-old or two-year-old trees. So you can start with there. The only thing with remember putting an apple tree in a shelter belt, you have to watch out for the rodents. So you're going to have to cage them. Okay, yeah. so you have to put a little chicken wire fence around them because either the uh, or even a finer than chicken wire actually because you don't want the voles to get into into chewing the bark on them because they'll love the sweet taste and of course the rabbits and the deer. So they'll find those and they'll eat them. And so, and then you also have to make sure that you put them in a spot where they'll still get lots of light and not be choked out because they'll sort of, you know, in the in the sh- in the shelter bottom of the other trees around. You want to make sure they get enough sunlight. And then so, you have to watch the moisture because those big trees, they're competing with a lot of moisture. So you have to also be able to give, give them a little bit of extra moisture in that spot where you want to put them. What you're saying is but, that, that putting, putting apple trees in a shelter belt is like a gardener's challenge because it doesn't matter if it's a new young tree or an old one. If you have deer running through there or, or other animals, they're going to be after that tree always. Yeah, they're going to be there because they they use the shelter belt as as you know where they for their own protection and food as well. So, and they're just going to find more food in there. But it can work. I mean, I've seen lots done. And so then, just a matter of you have to put some protection up into for that tree, so that they you know that the tree is, it doesn't get damaged and the you know the the bark doesn't get eat off eaten off the off the trunk. So yeah. the uh, for the you know then the tr- the plant will just die. But otherwise, yeah, it's good and rejuvenating. You can also start. Um, uh, you can start planting in between. You can start taking, um, if you have some trees that are out there, you can actually take some hardwood cuttings pretty soon in the next month or so. You can take some hardwood cuttings, which are about six inches long, some branches on the tips of, let's say, your poplar trees or willows or whatever you have, and uh, you won't be able to do that on on, on ash or, or or maples and that, but you could do it with poplars. You take about a six-inch long, about pencil thickness, uh, uh, cutting, put it in the fridge, and then in the spring you can plant that stick into the ground, uh, and then you know keep it moist, and then it will actually grow roots. Hey, so it's, I got to uh, jump in here, Rick, because we're gonna yep. got to go to our break, unfortunately. But news update for everybody right now. We'll keep going with this question and more as soon as we get back. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM. Thanks for spending your Sunday with us. I'm Jay. We've got Rick Van Dyke on the phone with us right now, and Jill is away this uh, this weekend. We'll get us all back together here one of these times. Okay, we're going to go back to our text line for a quick second here. We wanted to sort of finish up talking, Rick, before we got on the break in the news news break, we were talking about shelter belts. Jeremy and Esteban had asked, asked about how to rejuvenate one, and uh, we wanted to kind of just wrap up that conversation with that. Yep. Yeah, one thing, one thing that's important to remember is that uh, a lot of shelter belts, you know, we planted them all the same varieties. That's what we used to do is plant all, you know, poplar trees or all maple trees or all spruce trees in a row. And then all of a sudden, you know, now people are realizing, especially in these old legacy trees, that that some of the trees that, you know, they either don't have as long of a lifespan or or we had things like, you know, the 
the, uh, the some of the diseases that go through the trees, uh, and we got things like for you know like uh, with the ash trees, we got a uh, boar coming, and uh, they'll take out most of the ash trees, and and you have different things happening. So that I always tell people, if we're going to rejuvenate one, make sure that you're using diversity, use multiple different types of plants in your in your in your shelter belts, and that way you can you don't have, you you take away the chance of of one type of disease going through the, the, the tree or one type of it comes in because they like that one type of tree and wipes your whole windbreak out. So so make sure if you're planting some plants, you know, get some different plants. And there is a nursery here in Saskatchewan called Select Nurseries. Okay. Or Select select Seedlings, actually. They actually grow them right here in, in, uh, just close to Saskatoon. And uh, and they have uh, all kinds. You can just look it up. You can just Google it, Select Seedlings. And they have all types of different plants online that you can look at and order for the spring. And then you have a lot of diversity, and you can plant these little plants that are into your, into your new windbreak, or if you're existing windbreak, you can supplement some other ones in there as well. Okay, perfect. All right. So, uh, Jeremy, hope that helps out uh, with that. We kind of want to just touch a little bit about uh, about that. Uh, we're going to go keep going with our texts. 306-306-1877-332-8255 is where you can, can text us there. Uh, can we safely cut off some lower branches from our spruce trees and pine trees? Both have spider mite damage. This is Lynn, and who's in North Battleford. Yeah, you can. Some people like to have the spruce trees right down to the ground, but you can trim them up. That's not a problem, and you can do that right now if you wish. Okay, and that's, uh, that's the an pine easy trees one. as well. The one thing about pine trees is that they tend to, they will tend to bleed a little bit more in the spring, just like a, a, a birch or a maple tree will tend to bleed if you trim them now mm. in the spring. Mm-hmm. So they will tend to bleed. It won't be too bad, but they will tend to bleed. The best time to prune those up is like in July and August. Okay, for the, for the, just for the pines. But the spruces you can do now, not a problem. I suppose if you can if you hang on that long, but if if is now a good time though to take those branches off because the spider mites are more dormant though, like if they're uh, infested yeah, in that it, area, it's, it's, the spider mites going to be through the tree, not just in those bottom branches. So right, I mean those ones there, you can either you know blast in the spring to control them as just blasting with cold water, or it can use you know malathion or or there's going to be coming out. I'm not sure we're going to be able to get them this year, but we're looking for them as another type of spider mite that actually goes and attacks those spiders. No way. But, but doesn't suck on the tree. So that's what we're looking for right now. We're trying to see if we can find some of those spiders that will do that. And then that will help to help reduce the numbers in, in your tree. So that's, that's a big one there. Okay, perfect. Uh, this is from Neil, who's in Winnipeg. He says, I got a question about spruce trees. Okay, we're going to go with that here again. I had a tree that was almost blown down uh, in a windstorm, I think, a large tree. It's two stories tall. I straightened it out as best as I could with a come along and some chains two years ago. It's still mostly vertical, but am I totally fooling myself into thinking that the tree will truly come back? I've got greenery on the boughs, but the lower boughs are droopy. Any thoughts? Yeah, if you, you gotta keep it moist, keep it moist, and also uh, use some fertilizer to rejuvenate those roots, because obviously some roots broke off, right? So um, when it fell over, so the biggest thing is moisture, and you gotta keep it moist, like not 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 soaking wet, but you gotta keep it fairly moist. Uh, I had a tree that we that it was a huge tree and very full tree, and uh, the the person had their yard. Um, they had to put a new water line into their house, and the excavator came in and dug right on each side of the big tree. And I figured, oh no, this—that was just too many roots that were damaged. But we used the root feeders on that big tree, and we kept it moist, and uh, the tree didn't even look back; it just kept going. So, 
Uh, they're fairly residual because there would have been, when it blew over, there would have been roots on one side of the tree that was still would have been intact, you know, from the side that it blew over onto. Yep. And so, um, so that one, that if there's hopefully, if you keep it moist, it will rejuvenate and you can still keep it going. But normally, if it's depending how big the tree is, it takes up to three years to know whether that tree is going to die yet or not. So that's why you won't know for up to three years. So there's enough energy to sustain that tree for at least two years, um, just by itself. So you'll know you'll know for sure within a couple of years. But give give it all you can. Give it lots of water and give it some fertilizer to rejuvenate those roots. Mm-hmm. And then hopefully it'll come back. Okay. one 332 I'm not sure who this is from, but it says, Good morning. I've got a few house plants and succulents that have grown, and the bottom part closest to the soil doesn't have any leaves. What should I, should I be doing in this case? I don't want them to look like palm trees. Yeah, what you can do then, you can, you can pinch the tops and uh, keep them growing up tall palm trees. And then you can take some of those leaves that you pinch, and you can actually set them in the soil, and you can actually get them to fill out and fill that bottom up again. They'll actually start growing. So, so or that's you like where you can plant a different type of succulent at the base if you want to as well. So that's for like a succulent. You can you can basically pinch off the top and and take those pieces, plant them in the bottom. Uh, but they're yep. they're growing because they're they're stretching, right? Is that that's the, the yep. reason why they're kind of they're, they're doing stretching. that? So one thing you need to do is give them more light. Okay. They're probably a little bit lacking light if you're getting the bottom that, that's drying out. And you got to watch it probably overwatering as well. So you got to watch that too. Is that they don't want, especially in the wintertime, they they don't need much water between. You know, you don't want you want to you want to sometimes go between almost a week between waterings. So you can actually feel the leaves. The feel leaves if they feel puffy and firm, you don't need the water. If they feel like the little wrink, they look the leaves look a little wrinkled. But they feel flat, then that means there's low moisture in the leaves, and then you can give them some water again. But uh, yeah, just just cut back on the watering, especially in the wintertime, and then you won't get that. And, you won't and, have those leaves uh, dropping down. And then, and then that's that's for succulents. But if it's other house plants that are stretching, is there anything we can do about those, like other tropicals? Well, house, yeah, same thing there. Just make sure that uh, with those ones there, just make sure that you. Uh, Stick your finger into, for most tropicals, I like sticking my finger in as far as my index finger can fit in yep. into the soil. And then uh, if I feel moisture, I don't water it. If I feel totally dry when I stick my index finger into the soil, then I'll water it so the water comes out the bottom of the pot. And then uh, let, it, let it drain out into the, into the sink or whatever, or into the tray or whatever you have. And then make sure that you um, don't water again until you do the same test again. And then that plant will do way better, and you won't get lose those leaves at the bottom. And then make sure in the wintertime you're at least fertilizing uh, at, at least every every um, third watering, which is you know in the wintertime is a lot you know might be that might be you know once every couple of weeks type of thing. And it could be even once a month in some of them. And um, and so then make sure that you distill fertilizer in the wintertime, and then they they will have some energy. And then also think about the wintertime, Jay. Is that wintertime is a great time. If that plant hasn't been transplanted for a long time, mm-hmm. wintertime is a great time to put it into another pot, but make sure it's only one size larger. So if you're in a 12 inch, you're only going to go two inches larger. That's the next size up to a 14 inch or a 14 to a 16. You don't want to go from a 12 inch to 24 inch. The plant will struggle because it, it likes to be a bit root bound. Right. So, um, but now is a great time in the wintertime is to get, to get a new pot for that plant. And transplant it because uh, it's not really actively growing it. But in the next, you know, the next weeks we're going to start getting more daylight, and those plants are going to start turning around and start growing again.
Right. And, and like, you know, I know we've talked in the past that it's, it's, you know, okay to sort of fertilize tropicals kind of all year round. I know you've yep. talked, you and, you and Jill especially have talked about succulents not, not really fertilizing them through the winter months. When do we start that up again? Well, you'll be starting, the succulents, you, you can start water, you can start fertilizing those around, oh, I usually start in March again. March, okay. And then, and then because then the, by that time, the daylight hours are getting quite a bit longer, and that works good. Okay, all right, let's take a quick quick break. We've got more topics to talk about, and now is still uh, a good time to give us a call or give us a text at one 332 8255 Looks like we've got one from Cheryl. We'll answer when we get back from the break. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyvendyke. This is Garden Talk on 980-CJME and 650-CKOM. Blue skies up ahead where we are. Hopefully it's a beautiful day where you are as well across the province. I'm Jay, and we've got Rick Van Dyke on the phone with us for our last segment here. So you can join the conversation by calling one 332 8255 We've got some texts we wanted to answer before the show is over, Rick. So uh, going on to our next one here that we had is from Cheryl, who's in Saskatoon, says, I've got a question about my amaryllis plant. It bloomed beautifully this winter. It's now growing tall leaves. I'll put it outdoors in the summer, but I'm wondering how to fertilize it now. What type of fertilizer? should I use and how often yeah so right now in the winter time just fertilize it just sparingly because uh, right now once it's going to put energy between now and next fall back into the bulb again so just use an organic just low nitrogen low phosphorus low potassium so low low numbers so between one and three and then you can fertilize them about every fourth watering okay and then the same thing when you put them outside same thing out there so that uh, just Put them in a spot where it's not really, really hot, but sort of has a little bit, lots of light, but a little bit of shade from the um, from the, from a, a tree or something, you know, a trellis or something that that's that maybe give it a little bit of shade, and then it'll just re, it'll do very well out there. And you don't need to water it that much. Uh, sometimes uh, in, in, when I put my bulbs outside, they only get whatever the rain gets to them. So. And uh, but they don't like to be too wet out there, so just make sure that you're water sparingly, and it'll do fine. Okay, all right. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. Pete and Craven says, my mother used to have a technique for growing almost any kind of tree. Uh, I saw her plant some of the sickest, you know, saddest looking trees on the planet. Simply dig a hole, put the tree in, and then drown it. Every day for a week, almost all of those twigs she planted are now tall trees, and I still use that method. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, you still can. It all depends on the soil soil conditions, right? If you've got really, really heavy clay, you want to be careful that you do watering every day for a week. You might overwater it. So the best way to do it is when you do put it in the ground, just use the old uh, the old uh, uh, piece of rebar trick that I talk about. Just poke it down into the soil and make sure that you know the bottom of the hole. You haven't created a bowl you know, like when you dig a hole, you dig a bowl, right? Yep. And the bowl will fill up from the bottom up. So you don't want to make sure there's water sitting in the bottom of the hole all the time because you actually just that tree you just planted, you'll just root, rot the roots at the bottom. So just poke a, poke a rebar down, and uh, and when you bring the rebar up with those ribs, it'll bring a little bit of a sample. And then also you put some oxygen when you poke a little hole in the ground, and then because uh, uh, plants like moisture, but they also like oxygen in the heavy soil. If you're lighter soil, then it's not a problem at all. They love having that moisture every day, and so it all depends on your soil condition. Okay. We wanted to kind of rewind a little bit to a couple topics in, uh, that we talked about throughout the show. Uh, we talked about bulbs a little bit. We touched on that a little bit, but you wanted to kind of go through you know, what to look for with your bulbs now that we're pulling them out and getting them ready to be planted up for the spring. 
Yeah, I just want to, if people have things like the spring bulbs, like their cannas and calla lilies and their dahlias, and people, if you've, if you've stored those for the wintertime, now's a good time to just go down there and make sure that they aren't over dry. Uh, if you haven't checked them at all this winter, and uh, because uh, you don't want to go bone, bone dry, but you, you don't want to also, you don't want to give them too much moisture that, so just go on through and then check them, and they might need just a little bit of moisture uh, just to add, but just a little bit, and uh, then that way they'll be ready to plant up when we start getting in toward, you know, the middle toward the end of March. That's when you want to plant them up, those spring bulbs, but it's a little bit early yet, but you still want to check them to make sure they're going to, you know, not be totally dried out. Okay, perfect. And we were talking about shelter belts a little while ago, you know, about rejuvenating one. One of our texts had come in about that, which is great. Uh, uh, But, you know, when it comes to looking at any tree, whether it's in a shelter belt or it's in your yard and your succession planning, you know, the worst thing that can happen is that (laughs) you you have a beautiful yard. Uh, Trees, of course, have lifespans. And if you wait till that tree is, is dying or is dead to replace it, it will then be years again before the next tree that you want in that spot or close to that spot has, has time to, to grow and fill into that spot. But what, yep. what, you know, how do you plan out, you know, sort of succession planting? How do you figure out when it's time to, to put a tree next to the one you've got? Because you know that that one, that, that first one there is going to be, is going to be, uh, ending its life here pretty soon. Yeah, it all, all depends on what shape the tree's in because, uh, you got to be careful because when you're actually, if you're going to end up taking that tree down that you, that you had that that was that was like an old poplar or something like that, when you take it down, you got to make sure when you when you plant another tree beside it, that uh, that uh, when you when you're going to cut the other one down, you're not going to actually destroy it by dropping all the branches on top of the other plants, right? That that's the biggest thing I find that you got to watch out for. But other than that, you can you can plant next to it as long as you got the moisture to it that it can get established. Um, you, you can actually fill those holes in and, and reestablish it. If it's in the yard, you can always pick another spot, you know, right close by, and then uh, that's just out in the open. And, and then, you, like you said, you can start a tree up in the yard, and then that way when the other tree is ready to die, um, then, then you know, take it out. Then you can always uh, you have another tree that started. Because, like I said, a tree takes, you know, you're taking at least, at least 10 to 15 to 20 years before you got a tree to get in more mature size, depending on the variety of trees. So, uh, yeah, you want to watch that and be able to plant some other trees. And, and like I said, just making sure when you do replant, uh, plant some diversity in there. Don't plant all the same type of tree. Okay, last thing we wanted to mention here uh, before we got to go, we got one minute left in the show, is that there are really great webinars that are part of the University of Saskatchewan Horticultural uh, Division that you can actually uh, attend for free. And they're all on, they're streamed online. It's pretty easy to use, but they're all free this year. Uh, coming up this Thursday, award-winning veggies. We've got no-till for home gardens on uh, February 20th, February 22nd, forgotten flowers, growing herbs, in your garden on February 29th, pruning. There's one about pollinating, uh, plums, apples, yeah, a whole bunch of them that run through uh, basically February, March, and, and into April and further on. So check out, uh, you, uh, basically it's called gardening.usask.ca on the web, and you can uh, look at them all there. Pretty pretty awesome stuff, though. Really great uh, education you can get there, Rick. Yeah, no, it's, you know, and, and, it, and they're all free, so it's 
Most of them are between one and two hours long, and, and uh, you can get great information and just be able to, you know, listen to your webinar, looking out in your backyards and dreaming about what you can do this spring out in your yard. It's actually a perfect way to spend some time this winter. Exactly. we got to go here. This is pretty much the show. That's it. That's all. So thanks for joining us. We'll be live again next weekend to take your calls and texts. I'm Jay with Rick Van Dyke. This has been Garden Talk on 980 CJME and 650 CKOM.